Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm here as always with a guest, sir. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Thanks, Heather. This is Chris Cooper from Catalyst Fitness, Ignite Gym, Up Coach, Two Brain Business. Ooh, there's a there's a lot going on behind that name, and it's a great <laughs> name, I must say. I've always loved saying Chris Cooper. I don't think I've ever just called you Chris. It's always Chris Cooper. There's just great alliteration there. So <laughs> whoever named right. you, well done. Good job, Mom. So um, yeah, Chris, let's talk about all those different titles and businesses behind your name. Uh, I really love to start off with kind of looking where you've been these past couple of years and, and kind of what you've been up to. I'm sure our audience will love to hear what is going on in the world of Chris Cooper. Sure, Heather. So uh, last we spoke, you came to visit at uh, Catalyst Fitness and Ignite Gym. Uh, we had just moved into a school and we were integrating Ignite Gym. Uh, we were calling it CrossFit Brain back then even, I think. Um, yep. We were integrating Ignite Gym into a curriculum for athletes. Um, and so that the physical property of the school has kind of faded just because of the ownership group. But the, the reason we got involved with those guys in the first place was because we almost bought the school first. And so um, we went in as their anchor tenant after they um, – basically outbid us for the school. And then about a year later, uh, we saw things going off the rails with them. Uh, another building came up for sale and I jumped on it. And now, uh, this is the home to Ignite Gym, but it's also home to the first two brain workshop. Uh, and it's, it's pretty close to my gym. Uh, there's a cafe here, so I'm eating and drinking coffee nonstop and, uh, doing CrossFit. That sounds wonderful. So is that like the cafe and such? Is that like something you brought into the space? No, I, I mean, I'm over 40 now and very close to retirement. So um, I'm, I'm looking for tenants and cash flow assets. And we can certainly talk a lot more about that. But um, when I started thinking about who I enjoy working with the most, it was entrepreneurs. And that should be no surprise to anybody that's read my books. But uh, locally, our economy is in a bit of a crisis. Uh, the three major employers are gone. The uh, fourth largest employer is the school board, and it's dwindling with, as the population goes down. And so I think what's going to save our local economy and, you know, in a broader sense, the economy of North America is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, CrossFit has given the, the easy and awesome gift of entrepreneurship to, you know, thousands and thousands of people, uh, including me. CrossFit was my first business. Um, and then uh, what I'm doing now is opening up a local incubator. And so some of the businesses that are already here, aside from the ones that I own, uh, one of them is this cafe. And so she's a tenant. There's an engineering company in here being incubated right now. Chiropractors are coming in. Um, and so what we basically do is we say, okay, you know, here's a CrossFitter who wants to open a business. And then the next stage will be, here are some business owners and how do we lead them to fitness? Mm-hmm. And so kind of close the circle by bringing entrepreneurs to CrossFit. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I'm hearing this happening a little bit more than I ever have before. Actually, yeah. I never had before. And now I'm hearing like you do it and a couple other people I've talked to have, have talked about the same concept. So that's fascinating. Is that something that you've always kind of had in mind or is that grown over the past couple of years into, hmm, I bet I could do this and have tenants and, and like you said, have that incubator space. 
Uh, it came about really organically. Um, so for years, I was doing business mentoring, uh, and a lot of people around town, even people in my own gym, didn't know what the heck I was doing on these Skype calls all day. And then um, as as word started to get out, actually, the first time I really heard that somebody knew what I was doing in town was that my third book, Help First, was uh, the book of the month for a local business owner's reading group. And um, the, own, the owner of this uh, kind of cafe messaged me, different cafe. And she's like, hey, do you know uh, this guy wrote this book and he's got the same name as you? <laughs> and so we started talking about that stuff. And now um, this building isn't completely open yet, but literally three or four business owners have walked in uh, and just said, I need help. Mm. Um, so like, I really think that entrepreneurs are the ideal client for a CrossFit gym. Mm. Uh, you know, after they've gotten over that kind of hump themselves, they can afford our service. They have a flexible timeline. They really, you know, they value coaching. They value being told what to do for an hour instead of just making it up themselves. You know, great clientele. Um, and then with Ignite, the goal was never really to specialize in, in autism and brain rehab. Uh, it was always to specialize in enrichment and cognitive enhancement. And the market really led us toward the other end of the spectrum. And that's been amazing, uh, from an emotional standpoint, mm. but it's time we started bringing this back. And, um, some of the mentors at two brain now have business owner clients who pay them, you know, over $2,000 a month for fitness coaching. Um, wow. yeah, and we can talk about that too, but yeah, <laughs> it's a I know great there's, opportunity. There's so much to talk about. I don't know how we're going to fit yeah. it all in, but, um, I mean, why don't we, Chris, let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's, let's talk sure. about that. Um, and since you brought it up, so go ahead. So, I mean, a, a lot of people have been asking, you know, recently, how do you take the lessons that you learn in the gym and you extrapolate them out to these other companies? And the companies that I work with are all service based businesses. They're not really product sales. Um, so on the two brain podcast this morning, there was a guy who sold the product, but he was selling it through service. But the answer is that, you know, when I was in trouble, 2008, there were no books about the fitness industry. Uh, all the books were really about like business in general. And I had to kind of distill them, take what was applicable, translate that into the fitness world and then use it. So I'm really not doing anything except using these lessons for their original intention. So if you take a book like um, The E-Myth, Michael Gerber, okay? I mean, we teach his strategy in our own programs almost on day one. It, it's critical and it was a huge turning point for me, but it wasn't written about a gym. It was written about a bake shop. So, you know, when my uh, small engine mechanic up the road comes in and he's like, dude, I, I'm too busy. I can't get all this work done. And we're starting to talk about roles and tasks and how to hire your next staff person. It's really easy for me to come up with the answer. And a lot of box owners are finding like, wow, I've learned a lot of hard lessons in the trenches here. And these other business owners are asking me my opinion now, you know, um, it, one of our two brain family, Greg Stroh stood up at a chamber of commerce meeting last month. And ever since then, he's getting phone calls from other business owners saying, how do I solve this problem? You know, wow. guys who are twice his age. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity. And I, I think when we're down in the trenches, Heather, like you don't realize how quickly you're learning and how, how hard you're battling and how fast you're learning compared to every other business around you. Yeah. Uh, so very, yeah, very true. And I mean, how have you even seen 
the the industry evolve over these past couple of years because I know like um, it takes you know time to go through the trenches and learn and now these people are stepping up and, and being mentors to other businesses you know being like you said incubators to other entrepreneurs and I'm kind of curious how you've seen the industry evolve you know since you know it existed five years ago till now um, what those five years have looked like and maybe what are some of the positives that you have seen come out of you know the evolving affiliate owner gym owner small business owner in this industry uh, well, I think that number one, profit is no longer a dirty word, right? So five years ago, if I said the word profit on the CrossFit message boards or in a Facebook group, um, I would have been booed. You know, pe <laughs> yeah. people would have said like, we're not in this for money. Yeah. So I think finally, gradually there's, there's come this understanding that you have to be profitable or you're gone. Yeah. Um, and then once you accept that this is a key metric for success, you can start working backward from that metric and saying, how do we improve that metric? Mm. So if you accept that your deadlift number is a key metric in the pursuit of overall fitness, then you can look at your deadlift number and work backward and say, how do I get a stronger posterior chain? Mm. And then when you accept that profit and until you accept that profit, uh, is a key metric in your business. Um, you know, until you accept that you're not ever going to get there. And so in the last five years, that's become more popular. And, uh, I really think it's because there are several of us talking about it, you know? Yeah. Yep. It helps have people talking and making it known. And, and, and like you said, just having that conversation, sometimes just having a conversation can do so much for so many around us. So, um, mm -hmm. And kind of off of that, Chris, I know I'd really kind of want to dive into your own um, growth, your own leadership, I guess you could say ownership within the business, because um, you've had uh, just, just a few years of experience. Um, and I'd love to maybe just start with uh, some of the, the bigger lessons you've learned over the years that you think maybe the affiliate owners in the industry now could really uh, take away from and learn from, because I know they would love to hear anything you give them, but just maybe start with maybe some of the bigger overarching lessons you've learned that you think uh, the box owner could be like, oh, that's a great nugget. I should probably take that and, and, and analyze it and see what I can apply. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what I started writing for myself this morning at 4am was like the seven deadly sins of Chris, you know, that <laughs> here are the, the seven bullets that probably should have killed me. Um, and luckily I survived, you know, I think that should be your next book title. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Perfect. Oh uh, yeah. I need another one to work on for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You don't have enough to do. So why not write another book? No, I, I've got uh, two deadlines for books right now that are going on, but anyway, there you the go. seven, de seven <laughs> deadly sins of mine could be my last one. Yes. Perfect. <clears throat> so, um, luckily, you know, the, the mistakes that I see getting made now are not the same mistakes uh, that they were five years ago. Um, you know, so five years ago, the big mistakes that we all made were, you know, assuming that everybody was just like us, that everybody was a hardcore CrossFitter and they were attracted to like the skulls on the wall and, uh, you know, throwing sledgehammers across the parking lot. Okay. Like that was a real thing five years ago. Um, we got denied for insurance 10 years ago because we were doing truck pulls. We were pulling trucks like by hand. Okay. You just don't see that stuff anymore. And I think there's a greater knowledge out there now that like, that is not what our target audience wants. Mm. Okay. So, um, 
the first the first thing that I did not understand and I still don't claim to understand completely is who my client is. So every year um, we grab, we identify who our key clients are. Okay, this is Mike Michalowicz's pumpkin plan. If anybody wants to read more about it, we take him for coffee one on one and we have a conversation. It's not an interview, but there are three key questions that I'm going to work in there. Um, and those are really, you know, what's your favorite thing about Catalyst? Uh, why the heck do you keep coming back? And, um, you know, what, what do you hate in the fitness industry so that I can avoid those things? And what I'm learning over time is like people like a little bit of choice, but not too much. Uh, people come to my gym for reasons other than a hard workout. Um, and so that's kind of led us toward the brand of the happy gym. Mm. Last time we did the pumpkin plan was about a year and a half ago. And uh, the top three answers were, uh, I can turn off my brain for an hour. Okay. That was a huge surprise. Um, I always leave feeling better than when I got there. Okay. Yeah, I get that. And the last one was, um, somebody tells me I did something right. Hmm. Okay. So these are the top reasons that, you know, 220 people come to catalyst every month. It is not because they like thrusters. It's not because they love competition. It's not because CrossFit is feels like a game, but that's the messaging that I was putting out for years and wondering why, like, where are all these clients? You know? So now if you go on catalystgym.com, you'll see the happy gym. And uh, really, that's what we're selling. Okay. Yeah. The other, the huge mistake, the, probably the biggest mistake that I made, and I was just talking to a, a new uh, friend this morning about this, was nobody can do it as well as I can. Mm-hmm. So um, I used to think, yeah, I'm the best coach in town. And that, maybe that was true, but that's not the point. I, I probably wasn't, but thought I was. The problem was that when you say to yourself, I can mop better than anybody else, I can program better than anybody else, I can coach better than anybody else, you're screwed because that means you'll never let anybody else do it, right? Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to have the second best programming in your gym. So you have to realize like that you need to duplicate yourself because you can't be the coach and the gym owner at the same time. It's, it's a very different job. And it requires training um, to be a CrossFit coach. It requires training to be a CrossFit athlete, and it requires different training to be a business owner. Okay. And I definitely didn't get that. Hmm. How did um, how did you learn that you needed to let go and, and that you weren't all the all be all basically? Well, I I read Michael Gerber's book, The E Myth, and I understood it logically. So Gerber's famous phrase is, "You bought yourself a job." And when I opened my gym in 2005, I literally was buying myself a job. I had a mortgage to pay. I had a baby. My wife wanted to leave her career. uh, And I wasn't making enough as a personal trainer where I was. So I was buying myself a job. But that's not a business. The problem was that even though I understood this logically, until I found mentorship, I was not taking action on it. Or I was doing it really poorly. Or I was finding excuses to mop. So every decision has two sides. The first side is knowing the right answer. And the second side is taking the the right action. So for me, uh, a mentor was really critical in making sure that I did take that action. And so I stopped coaching as many classes. I found somebody to mop the floor. Um, You know, we can get into the payment model, but that's really getting into the weeds. And I started working on things that would actually grow the business. And guess what? The business grew. 
Um, I'd say that probably the biggest sin and one that I really want to get out because I hear this a lot uh, is projection. So when I opened my gym, I thought nobody's going to pay $200 a month for a gym membership because I couldn't afford $200 a month for a gym membership, right? Mm -hmm. I thought that I was my own ideal client and I'm not. You know, my ideal client is an entrepreneur, doctor, lawyer, busy professional who doesn't want to have to find a random workout in muscle and fitness this month, you know, who wants to get really fit and who's open to coaching. Uh, that was not me when I opened my gym. So projection is, was a, a massive sin and, and, uh, I still do it. You know, I was a, a really bad treadmill salesman for the exact same reason. Yeah, I feel like it's hard to sell to somebody that's not you because you automatically defer to what do I like or what would I choose or what is this or what is that. So, that, yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a hard mindset to grow. Yeah. yeah. So here's the simplest example, Heather. So I worked at this treadmill store for two and a half years, right? And we would have the highest end treadmills in town. We'd have the best equipment. It, it was a beautiful showroom. People would come in and I couldn't sell them anything. And at 501 that door would get barred and I'd go out to the back parking lot with a homemade sled that I'd made myself, right? An old rusty barbell that like got left out in the rain a lot and this wooden box and it, oh, there might've been a tire and I'd train athletes out there. Okay. And I, I didn't see the obvious cognitive dissonance of like, I don't believe in this stuff and that's why I'm not selling it. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's really true. Goodness. Yeah. So you've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually one more. Um, yeah. And this, because this is a rising trend, like a rising error. Um, and that is that a lot of box owners now assume that they need marketing instead mm -hmm. of saying, I need more sales. So I, I've written a lot about diversifying revenues and all that stuff. But right now, it's very sexy to have a marketing company that's going to get you these leads. And they're going to get you likes on Facebook and people are going to enter these funnels, right? But I don't believe in that. I don't believe that like your next best customer is the guy uh, who was handed a flyer at the local grocery store. I just don't see it. So <clears throat> the gap there is you can drop somebody in a funnel and then what happens? You know, what happens in the funnel is really like where the magic is. So that's where kind of sales comes in. Um, so what we do it now is we meet with every client quarterly if we can. Um, we ask them like, hey, how healthy is your wife? How healthy is your husband? What's he doing in the golf off season? And then we'll say, um, you know, how about the people you work with? Are you in a positive work environment? Can those people reduce their stress? Could they be healthier and how can we help? And then from there it would be, you know, how about your friends? We call this affinity marketing. Uh, and the key for us really has always been go back to our email list. So, you know, after we've had these conversations with our clients, we go back to our email list and we write them love letters. Um, yeah. So every single day, um, I, I publish something to the catalyst list. I publish something to the two brain list. At least three times a week, we write to the up coach list, the ignite list. And what we're looking for is like, where are people struggling? You know, what are the questions that they're having? How can I answer them? 
And we call them love letters because it's a very informal tone. It's usually, uh, I'm writing it all at one shot. It's not edited. There's no pictures, no links, no sales pitch. And, um, that has driven sales up for Catalyst by about $16,000 in August, which is, wow. uh, yeah. And it's all people who are already on our list. So you know? That's incredible. Did, when did you guys implement that? Have you always done that? No. So what happened was, um, we were, we were trying out some marketing with a company that really, uh, it backfired a little bit, to be honest. Catalyst is sometimes like the Petri dish, uh, because what works at Catalyst, I'm going to relay that to, you know, the 350 other gyms in the two brain program. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I test stuff, the other mentors test stuff. If it works, we test it at the other mentors gyms and then we release it. Like, you know, at this stage we have to be very careful about what we talk about, but yeah. Um, so when this, when this marketing, um, trick really didn't work out. I said, okay, let's go back to what I know works. And that is email. Uh, and then, so we started doing this less formally, started writing every day. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of unsubscribes. Uh, and that's great. You don't want everybody on that list. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you do want to get people off maybe. So either you want people to say yes, or you want people to say no, but you want them to be in or out. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I had 2,700 people on my email list. I think I lost maybe over the course of August and the first half of September, maybe about 300 of those. And that's cool. You know, if, if I need to do a Facebook ad and, and target that list, my money doesn't have to be spread as far out as it, as it did. It's right? more like so, it's more quality versus quantity. Absolutely. Yeah. And the beautiful thing right now is like I'll go in the gym and uh, this happened last week. I'm like, hey, I'm Chris, and, and a woman will say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm Amy. I met you eight years ago when I came to Catalyst. You know, I've been reading your stuff, and that last post really brought me in. Well, what? Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, this happened a lot in the last six weeks, really. Um, it did happen a lot. The key is, like, knowing what your audience wants to read. They, they don't want to read. It's CrossFit for me. They want to read um, – Here's how you solve your bad back. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The helpful information that are like, oh, I can apply this and I, I can do something with this and I don't have to pay anybody any money. That's right. I mean, people aren't scared of CrossFit. They just don't know how it's going to solve their problem. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, most of the people in, in my city now have heard of Catalyst, of CrossFit, but they just don't know why they should do it. Mm. They have no reason to start uh, unless I give them a reason. Yeah. So my job with, with content bridging and email marketing is really just to bridge that gap between what I'm selling and what they want. Hmm. So it's definitely like still educating people, yeah. but it's gone from educating people about what CrossFit is to how CrossFit can help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Okay. We assume they're going to make that logical leap on their own, <laughs> uh, right? but they're not. Nope. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not how people work or function. They, it's not logical typically. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's so interesting, um, and I love that. I mean, it makes sense that Catalyst is like a petri dish dish but like I love that you're experimenting and continually growing and adapting and, and I guess um 
you know, Chris, what would you say about that as well? Because, I mean, that, that's kind of shown in this whole um, idea of, you know, renting out like the cafe and the spaces, you know. But what would you say in terms of adaptation and, and what affiliates maybe need to keep in mind in terms of, you know, where they should be looking or what they should be uh, researching and, and why they should be open to adapting and evolving as this industry continues to change year by year? Well, so the first thing is, um, you're, you're never going to want every client, right? So keep that in mind. Um, a lot of the times you are better to fire a problem client. And also, um, you know, three or four years ago, running a free trial might've worked because people were doing a lot of this educating on their own. They, they were curious, they'd go to CrossFit.com, decide that looks like something I want to try. And they would look for a free trial. Now that's not the case anymore. Um, so now when you open up your doors to like a free trial or you dump a bunch of cold leads into a funnel and what you're really getting is an uneducated audience who aren't ready to make a decision yet. So that's never going to change, right? It, we're, we're really on like the biggest awareness that we've ever had for CrossFit and just, you know, functional movement in general. Um, but they're, they're more aware, but they're less educated, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. The other thing too, is like a lot of veteran affiliate owners are, you know, they're past that kind of first finish line of, okay, I'm profitable. Phew. And they're turning around and looking at everyone coming behind them and saying, how can I help these people? Um, and, and so you, now you start to see like, here's software products. Uh, here's a t-shirt company. You see a lot of these things spring up. Uh, and, and it's mostly good you're going to start seeing a, a bit of a revolution there too, because now you have fewer unique services and products. Um, we're lucky to still be the only mentoring service for the fitness business, especially CrossFit. Um, but you know, I, I'm sure other people will start calling themselves mentors soon and that's fine. You know, we do other things. But what you see now with a lot of people um, coming back and selling to the CrossFit audience is you, you're going to start seeing a lot more like um, competition within niches, you know, different T-shirt companies and stuff like that, but also better ideas. So um, the reason I'm flying to Idaho tomorrow is because someone says there is a much better way to do booking and billing software, you know, start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, and this is a completely different paradigm. There's a, there's a, there's a 10% chance it could work, right? But it's worth me spending five grand to go out there for a few days and and just see. Wow. In Idaho of all places. That is interesting. (laughs) Enjoy that trip. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Boise is a hotbed. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I I mean, I keep hearing about Boise, so I don't even know what's going on over there, but they got something in the water, I think. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, I, I think the other thing too is like, you know, Facebook is still by far the best bang for your marketing dollar, uh, but it pales in comparison to a good sales practice. Um, right now, sales is the dirty word. People don't want to feel like a salesman. That's why I wrote help first. Um, but the bottom line is that, you know, gyms can survive and thrive off 150 members if they're providing the right kind of service to their clients. And that means they have to know how to have the conversations and it means they don't have to spend any money on Facebook. Mm, yeah. And now is that just 
finding education and reading books on how to have those conversations? It's, uh, it's trial and error, but honestly, it's like complete transparency and understanding that your role as a coach, um, might put you in an awkward spot with your own feelings. So let, let's say that I have a projection bias about price. You know, I'm a coach and I've been running my gym for a year and a half. I'm just barely breaking even. I couldn't afford my own service if I wanted to. And a client is really struggling in class. Now, if there wasn't money involved, if I was just talking to my best friend, I would tell the client, you need one-on-one -on -one attention. But we tell ourselves this story that like, no, the client's not going to pay for that. No, nobody could afford that. No, you know, the group is what's most important. And this story stops us from doing the right thing for the client, which is our duty as a coach. Um, so when you get over that, when you start looking at yourself uh, internally, you're saying, what, project, what am I projecting onto my clients that's harming their progress? Uh, you remove these filters, and that usually results in a better business. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I just talked to somebody else recently about that too, about being very aware of what you're projecting onto people, your own biases and coaching and, and anything like that because it can be it can be detrimental to relationships, to business. So yeah, no, that's fascinating. I know, Chris, we've, we've talked about um, failures and mistakes and, and that's kind of a bummer, but I would love also to look at the other end and talk about some successes, which I know we, we've, we've chatted about as well, but um, love to kind of pick your brain on maybe some of the things that even you're kind of proud of and, and, and accomplishments that you've seen happen or even successes with an industry that you've seen happen that are like, hey, kudos to the affiliates out there. Um, love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I'm proud of, I'd say is the polarization of boxes. So what we're starting to see now is, um, some boxes are failing and that really stinks, but there are also some boxes now where they're very successful. So, um, talking to Nicole Carroll a week and a half ago, she referred to our thriving affiliates. And, um, so that got me thinking like, by what metric do we determine who is thriving and who is not? And there are some affiliates uh, who are thriving by any metric, they get it. Um, you know, they've got 500 members. They've got a profit margin over 35%, which is amazing in the service industry. Uh, one of our mentors has already done over $2 million gross this year. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we're really proud of that. And, and where that came from is not, I'm going to get amazing at Facebook marketing <laughs> or I'm going to, I'm going to get 300 leads a day that came from, I'm going to fix my systems and keep people here. Mm. You know, like it, it's no, it's, it's no coincidence that this guy is also the best person I know at having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a client. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm super proud of that. Second, um, a few affiliates, uh, and I, I don't encourage this, but a few affiliates have signed up for our program, put the initial payment on their credit card and maxed it out. And they're like, if this doesn't work, I can't even make the second payment. Hmm. I, I don't encourage it, but I did the exact same thing. You know, I wrote a check for my first mentor that should have bounced. Um, and now they're killing it. You know, they've got these days off. They're spending the time with their family. They're profitable. Uh, every week we do this thing called Bright Spots Friday. I get about 80 gym owners posting five to 10 things that went right for them that week. Oh, that's um, yeah, it's, it's not uncommon for us to get choked up. Um, 
I think the other thing that's happening too, I kind of as a function of like this polarization of successful and unsuccessful boxes is, uh, HQ is really becoming aware that, um, you know, the, the rise and fall of the movement and everything that we want to accomplish, beating big sugar, you know, taking on cancer, having like sustainable, objectively measurable fitness, all of that rises and falls on the health of the affiliates, not how many people want to sign up to do CrossFit. Hmm. Like if you think about what is the brand CrossFit, it's not thrusters. We can't trademark that. <laughs> we cannot, we can't even trademark the word Murph. Um, what CrossFit actually is, is the affiliates. I mean, this is the only thing that we've got is, is the brand and the, the, the brand is actually the gyms, the 14,000 of us who are carrying the flag. And so, uh, I'm really proud that HQ has, has reached this point where they are, um, a lot more proactive in addressing business issues, which is amazing. Yeah, no, you're right. Cause that's what CrossFit is, is, is these owners, these people who are just, you know, pushing it out there into the world. I mean, they, they represent it, I mean, to the heart and to the core of who they are. Um, I think that's so cool. And, and it's neat to kind of hear, like you said, what HQ is doing. I know uh, at the Two Brain uh, brunch that you guys had in Madison, I got to meet mm -hmm. Olivia of the CrossFit Foundation. And we had some awesome conversation about what they're doing. Um and, and how they're even partnering with affiliates and, and organizations with the industry to just, yeah, be positive impacts. And I think that is a key to this industry is how positively impacting a lot of these affiliates are. And in, in a way, that's why I see CrossFit is, is it's this, it's this movement. It's this positive movement that is just kind of taking these different communities by storm and really, yeah, furthering fitness, furthering quality of life and in ways that, I don't know. I, I personally have not seen done in a very long time. So it's definitely very cool. So awesome. Um, and and kind of off of that, Chris, I mean, where do you see the industry going? Um, do you have any maybe ideas, thoughts, uh, I don't know, reflections, I guess, on where this industry is headed, maybe trends you've seen or even things that you would like to see happen um, in the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years within this industry? Yeah, so um, most of what I see happening are really good things. You know, um, a lot of CrossFit gyms in cities. And so, yeah, they're bumping up against each other. Awesome. Uh, let's all get better at business so that we can survive. Um, you know, Baltimore, I mean, there are five or six gyms in Baltimore who are in two brain. They don't see each other as competitors. They get together every month. They have coffee. They talk yeah. best practices, you know. Awesome. So we are seeing that. Um, the other thing is a, a greater emphasis on the one-on-one -on -one relationship with the client. So I started as a personal trainer. Greg Glassman started as a personal trainer. CrossFit did not start as a group exercise program. It started one-on-one, one-on-two, -on -one, one -on small groups of three and four, you know? Um, and I think we're getting back to that. Yeah. You know, when we were at the Box Pro Summit last year, uh, Kenny Kane used the term commoditization of intensity. So there are, there are huge chains. Um, what am I thinking? Orange Theory, okay? Mm -hmm. These guys are really, really good at branding. Um, they can sell the hell out of Fran. They've got the, the big scoreboard, right? They're better at branding than any of us will ever be. What they are not though is coaches. So, 
you know, when I, when I meet with you and we talk about like, are you perfectly satisfied with your progress in the last three months? And I say to you, Heather, I want you to come less this summer. I want you to only come to the gym three days a week instead of five. I want you to be careful with your diet, but have a beer. Um, and our, our goals for September are that you're going to run up this big mountain and you know, you're going to uh, ride your bike 50, 50 miles without stopping. That's it. Okay. Sounds How great. is Orange Theory? I want to get started. Let's with do that. it. That let's sounds do it. great. Training yeah. plan. Let's go. Can I have a donut too? That sounds awesome. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll put that in there. Um, you know, how does Orange Theory compete with that? How do they interject themselves into that relationship? But if you're just selling fitness classes, they're going to beat you every time. Mm. And, and so I think like having these guys in the market is a good thing. Um, I learned that lesson the hard way because when I opened my CrossFit gym, P90X was a huge deal. And all the firefighters in my city were doing P90X DVDs uh, like on their breaks. And so all the content that I produced was like, P90X sucks. You guys suck for doing P90X. You know, you're not hard. You know, you guys are all soft. And, you know, I struggled to get firefighters to do CrossFit ever since. I should have said, hey, in six to eight weeks, when you guys are bored of this, CrossFit's the next step. Hmm. And then started coaching them. Because like, if I took a, a Catalyst client right now and I sat, sat her down in front of me and I said, Robin, I want you to take the next six weeks, exercise at home. Here's a DVD called P90X. And we'll get back together here on the Monday of the seventh week and start building on your back squat. They would do it. But yeah. that's, that is the difference is we have to be prescriptive as coaches. We have to get in front of that conversation. We have to make sure that um, they're getting progress instead of saying like, I can sell group classes cheap with an arms theory. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that goes back to kind of like your love letters as well. And, and really taking that time to, to show you care and want to educate and just kind of like building that deeper relationship almost, um, and, and yeah, and showing the value of that one-on-one -on -one coaching. So, yeah. Other trends in the industry, I, I think people are always going to be addicted to novelty. And so incorporating some technology uh, into your training, this is stuff we've been trying for a while now. Um, so polar heart rate monitors was part of Orange Theory. Uh, when Orange Theory was gearing up to um, like sell shares in their company, they decided they needed to own that technology themselves. They kind of booted Polar out. Hmm. So Polar approached me about, can we do this in CrossFit gyms? Um, and we kind of tested it out and said, you know what, this makes us more similar to Orange Theory, not less, so we're gonna pass. Hmm. Um, but there, there are other technological trends that are going on. I think, um, you know, we, we get kind of down in this silo of CrossFit. We don't look at what's around us. But if I walked into, you know, if I met Greg Glassman today and I followed him around for 24 hours and said, I'm going to build my CrossFit gym around what this guy does, I'd be buying bicycles. <laughs> you know, I'd mm -hmm. buy a set of rings, bicycles, and one barbell. I, I would not have ski ergs, you know. Um, I, would, I would not have slam balls. So I think the question is like, okay, if, if we can be coaches and we're prescribing things, what the heck can we prescribe? Does it, does it have to be Fran all the time, you know, or could we say meet at the gym and we're going for a bike ride? Hmm. Um, the other piece is nutrition. Uh, this is a growing, growing 
um, possibility. Mm, yeah. But I, I also think that it's our duty to be giving better nutrition guidance to our clients. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you read the fitness in a hundred words, we'd all open a nutrition store with a, a barbell in the back parking lot. Right. Yep. That's, and so, you know, there, there is some movement in HQ to, to work on that. I know, uh, Nicola Coyne has been writing some stuff for the journal. Mm. Um, there's a movement to like revisit what's covered in the L1 on nutrition, all that stuff. Mm. So, yeah. um, here's a great example. Client comes in, I'm going to say it was June 1st and she says, guys, you know, I've got a hundred dollars a month that I can spend on my fitness. And to her, that's a lot of money because you know the, you can go to the 24 hour gym up the road for 19 bucks. So a hundred dollars seems like overkill. And we say, well, you know, a hundred dollars won't buy you anything at catalyst, but it will buy you. You know, if you say a hundred dollars a month for three months, this will average out to buying you a three month nutrition plan and I'll give you a walking program. Okay, here you go. Yeah. Let's book your follow up appointment. So, you know, three months later, she's down 12, 13 pounds. She's feeling really great. She's walking. Um, and she's ready to sign up for our ID program, which is like 270 a month. So the question is, was I her coach that whole time? And if you see that you can be their coach without having them in front of you, that really changes your perspective on, on what your business is. Yeah. Wow. That's like revolutionary. <laughs> That's awesome, Chris. No, I mean, that's, it is. I'm sure some affiliates have not thought about that before, you know, in that, in that sort of way. So I'm sure for them, they're just like, what? But no, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, no, that's awesome. We've talked about so many good things. I, I'm gosh, I, my, my head is reeling and I don't even own a fitness business. So I can only imagine what owners. Not yet. Not yet. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like to educate and empower those who do. And Fantastic. You yes. do a great job. At well, it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was waiting that whole podcast for you to finally say something nice to me. So I appreciate <laughs> that coming in at the end. So, <laughs> um, but no, Chris, I probably just to kind of, you know, start wrapping this up and getting people on their way to doing whatever they have to do today. Um, if you could tell affiliate owners one thing, one thing at all, uh, what would it be? What would, what would you say to them? Yeah. So, um, take action on something. Um, put down the book, uh, hang up the podcast. Sorry. I'm, I'm referring to my podcast. Don't listen to my podcast this week. <laughs> Instead, take that hour and a half and take action on something that you've previously mm -hmm. learned. Um, right now it's, we're in this really heady time of knowledge. You know, we, we have access to every little bit of information that anybody on the planet knows. If anybody knows anything, everybody knows that what's stalling people right now is the ability to take action on those things. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking for like the 30th opinion on fit eight or kill cliff, what you need to do is just decide right now to stock one of those things and move on to something else instead of looking for the best way to train or onboard a new coach, you need to hire somebody by lunchtime and just, you know, screw it up. Go ahead. Um, I mean, you know, I say that I spent $180,000 training coaches that didn't work out and it's over a quarter of a million now. But the bottom line is, um, if I hadn't taken action, even on the coaches that didn't work out, I would not be where I am now. So, 
uh, yeah, you're better to take an action and be wrong than to learn the best way and do nothing. Yeah, no, I think that I, that can apply to so many aspects of life. And I mean, yeah, let's, let's get out there. Let's take risks. Let's make Chris Cooper size mistakes and then learn from them and do oh God. so well. Please, <laughs> please don't make Chris Cooper size mistakes. Oh. I, want, I want you to survive. Um, well, you made Chris Cooper size mistakes and survived. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of luck. A lot of luck. In no, okay. Don't make Chris Cooper size mistakes, but make mistakes. And I think, I think getting past that fear of making mistakes is really important too. And and just, I don't know, just not being afraid to fail. Like I, I feel like it's such an old mantra, but I feel like it's something that people need to be said again and again. I know I need to tell myself that. Don't be afraid to fail because, like you were saying, that is sometimes where the best things come out of the best growth happens so I think that's wonderful advice and I mean I'll probably go take action and make dinner because that sounds great so dinner. right I know it's about time but awesome well Chris anything else you wanted to add anything else you wanted to share last parting words to our audience I think it's uh look for opportunities to help um and that starts with yourself so you know every week look within yourself and say what are five things that have gone right for me this week? And write them down, share them with somebody. When you start to, to practice gratitude and you start uh, training your brain to recognize when good things are happening, that's really the path to happiness here. We talk a lot about profit, we talk about relationships with members, but the way that you make yourself truly happy is just to recognize the things that are already going right in your life and sharing that gratitude with everyone else. Yeah, positive mind mindset can be a huge player in this game of life so definitely awesome well chris cooper thank you so much for taking time out of your day to just sit and 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 talk and share uh, about your mistakes your successes about things you've been seeing loved having you on the show super appreciate you always being willing to yeah just take the time to educate and empower yourself um and and the audience that's listening so super appreciate it thank you heather i think uh you guys are doing an amazing thing to help box owners nobody else uh is really putting all this information together into one spot and i think that if people uh, only have time to like listen to one thing or read one thing it should be box pro thank you for saying that i'll i'll send you 20 bucks later so i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> awesome chris thank Thanks. you so Take much care. appreciate it all right